This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Rose Knits Knitting Bags. Visit the shop online at www.rosenits.etsy.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. I know I've been gone for a very long time, but I'm back. Thank you for joining me. You're listening to episode 31, the first episode of season four of Never Not Knitting. Can you believe that I've been recording this podcast for over a year and a half now? I can't. Time has really gone by quickly. And I want to thank all of you who have been listening to me from the beginning and who have stuck with me for all of this time. Well, I hope you have all had a good couple of months while I've been on a podcast break. I really enjoyed the time off. It was badly needed, but it's also really good to be back at the mic podcasting again. Producing this podcast takes a lot of time and preparation. So for the first few weeks of each break, I panic every so often thinking that I've got to get started planning and recording my next episode. But then I keep reminding myself, no, no, Alana, you are on a break. There is no podcast episode. It's kind of like being on summer break in school, and it takes a few days getting used to it. But now that it's actually been a few months that I have been on break, It's hard to sort of get back into the routine. I've got to kind of retrain my brain to get out of vacation mode and get back into the swing of things. I definitely have to stay on a strict schedule during podcast seasons. So now that I'm back, I have a lot to catch you up on. So much that I don't even know how I'm going to condense it into this episode. Since my previous recording... I have completed a hat, a design project, a sweater, and three toys. But that design project actually kind of counts as two, since I had to knit it twice. Boy, was that fun. Let me first tell you about that. So, a few months ago now, I started designing another shawl, And it was a success of the cedar leaf shawlette pattern that really inspired me to do this. I love cedar leaf. It's one of my favorite knits to date, and I wear it as often as I possibly can, without looking like a walking advertisement for myself. The thing about cedar leaf, though, is it's really more of an outfit accessory. It's fairly small, so while it keeps my neck warm, it doesn't really accomplish much else besides looking pretty. So because of this, I was inspired to make another, more functional shawl that follows the same construction as cedar leaf, but one that's larger and warmer. I don't have a shawl like this in my wardrobe, but have often considered its practicality. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, a nice warm shawl would be a great take-along garment that could double as a blanket say when you're on an airplane, in a chilly movie theater, eating outside at a restaurant. Also, if you're a mother like I am, 
It could be used when you're out and about for a sleeping child. This realization of a shawl's practicality, however, has been a fairly recent discovery. A while back, I didn't think so highly of shawls. I guess I felt that you sort of had to meet a few requirements before sporting one in public. Like, you had to be at least 80 years of age, or Laura Ingalls Wilder from The Little House in the Prairie. But seeing so many nicely done shawls on Ravelry that are worn in a very stylish, wrap-around-your-neck-casually sort of way has really definitely changed my mind about the whole shawl thing. I've decided that you don't have to be a grandma to pull off a shawl. In fact, the right shawl with the right outfit can look downright elegant and fashion-forward. So that's what I was striving for with my newest shawl design, the Cosette Wrap. It's a large, rounded shawl that's functional while still being fashionable. It's a fairly simple pattern to knit. Like the cedar leaf shawlette, the rounded shape is created through the use of short row shaping. I really love using this technique because it allows you to create shaping cleanly and invisibly. The result of this short row shaping is a large piece of solid knitted fabric that contains no trace of increase or decrease stitches. I just love that. After you work the large rounded body, this wrap is finished off with a simple eyelet picot trim in a contrasting color, perfect for using up a half ball of yarn that you have lying around. It's a very understated but elegant piece. When choosing yarn for this project, I just had to go with my newest yarn love, Madeline Tosh. This is the yarn that I reviewed in episode 30. For the main part of the shawl, I used Tosh Merino in the Olivia colorway. This color looked very different than I was expecting it to look, but it truly is amazing. The color that it ended up being was better than the color I thought it would be, so it worked out very well. If I had to describe this color in one word, I would have to say vintage. It's just this beautiful goldish green color, the kind of color that you often see used in vintage fabrics. It's very unique. I don't think I've ever seen a yarn this color before, and that's another reason why I really like it. For the contrasting trim of the shawl, I used Madeline Tosh Air, or Ayer. I'm not sure which one that is, but you know what I'm talking about. This one was in the Fig colorway, and Fig is a very warm brownish purple. It's such a rich complement to the greenish gold in the merino. It's funny because the amazing pairing of these colors came about completely by accident. I had ordered both colors online separately from the backwards loop, but seeing them side by side at my house really inspired me to use them together in some way, even though that was not my original intention at all. Both the Tosh Merino and the Air are beautiful worst weight yarns, so if you'd like to make Cosette, I really suggest you give these yarns a try. But if you'd like to substitute, Malabrigo Worsted would be a great option, or really just any soft worst weight yarn would do fine. Some sort of wool would be great, 
so that your shawl is really warm and cozy. This shawl is large enough to be worn around your shoulders in a traditional shawl style, but it's still small enough to manageably wrap and tie around your neck. Wearing it like this is a great alternative if you're not a fan of wearing a shawl in the traditional way. All in all, I'm really happy with how the design turned out, and I love wearing my Cosette. I hope you'll check it out for yourself. I'll be sure to link to it in this episode's show notes. My Cosette pattern, while being relatively simple, took a shocking amount of time to work up. As I said before, I actually had to knit the shell twice to get the shaping just right. And I'm not one to knit things twice. Over and over again in blogs and podcasts I hear of people who like to re-knit the same sweater to get it just perfect. Once I knit something, it's really rare. Really rare that I'll knit it again. Also, I hate it when things don't work out. I hate it. I hate wasted knitting time. And I hate re-knitting things. So, the second time around on Cosette, you can just imagine, I was not terribly motivated. I felt like I was knitting and making progress at a snail's pace. At times, it was pure drudgery, really. So through this design process, I decided to knit up a quick little hat. This one was the Side Slip Cloche. If you don't recognize the name, you'll recognize it from the book Boutique Knits. It was the cover hat. I have been thinking of this hat since the first time I saw this book cover. It is so cute. It's a vintage looking hat that sits really low on your head with a ruffle on one side. It's very feminine. My sister-in-law made one recently, and you know how that is, seeing a pattern made up in person like that. I had to make one. I tried to find a yarn for it that was a pale pink color, like the cover of the book, but actually it's not really pale pink, it's actually tan, but on the cover it looks pink. And I thought that a really, really pale, subtle pink would kind of add to the style. So that's what I was looking for. And I settled on Blue Sky Alpaca's Alpaca in Silk in the champagne color. But that turned out to be a gigantic mistake. The color was not really pink, it was really peachy and super unflattering. I don't know of anyone that can wear a really light peach besides maybe a baby. Besides the color problem, this yarn was really thin and my gauge was way off. I was expecting a DK weight yarn because of the gauge mentioned online, but this was definitely a sport weight. I had to wait a long time to receive this yarn in the mail because I ordered it over a holiday weekend. So by the time I got it, even though I knew there was no way it could possibly work for me, I just couldn't give up on it. I couldn't face the facts. I was ready to throw Cosette in the garbage can. I desperately needed this quick little hat to make, and it felt like forever that I had been waiting for this yarn, which I had such high expectations for. So I just kept trying to convince myself that Yes, this yarn would indeed be fantastic for this project. So that caused me to do something completely nonsensical and impulsive. 
I balled up those skeins of yarn in the car on the way home from the post office. Now, as you know, once you wind up skeins of yarn, you are stuck with them. No store is going to take back balled up yarn. I guess I thought that maybe, just maybe, if I knitted up a gauge swatch, that the yarn would mysteriously puff up when knit and be the correct gauge. After all, the yarn label said that you could knit it at 20 stitches, and that's what the pattern called for. I figured that there must have been something I was overlooking here, or something. And the color, well, I knew. I knew it was unflattering, but I thought, well, maybe, maybe with the right outfit, I could find a use for a baby peach hat in my wardrobe. Or, you know, maybe, maybe I could go shopping for that outfit or something. Basically, I was just extremely desperate to see it work. I know it's really stupid. I don't know why exactly. I guess I was just really mad about re-knitting my design project, and I just so badly wanted to knit this hat and not think about it. Well, I got home. I knitted my gauge swatch. And as I'm sure you already know, it did not work out. There was no way I was going to get gauge with this yarn. It was way, way too thin. But I found a solution. I doubled it. That was much better, but still the gauge was a little off. But I just kept right on knitting it. Usually I'm definitely a project knitter. Most of the time I knit for the sake of the finished item. But this hat, for some reason, was purely therapy knitting. I just wanted to knit it, even though I knew it was just completely unreasonable to do so. At the end of it all, I was left with a too small baby peach ruffle hat. And it pretty much looked ridiculous on me. I felt like I was dressing up as an infant when I put it on. Not to worry though, it does, however, look super adorable on my four-year-old daughter, and it fits her perfectly. So my therapy hat didn't go to waste after all. The color does look pretty cute on her. She's really little, and she can pull it off. But it is still a really a hard color to match up with any of her outfits. She just has this one creamy colored shirt that it kind of looks good with. So... She hasn't really worn it that often. Even though the alpaca silk yarn wasn't the best yarn for this hat, I must say, it still was a really nice yarn. It had this beautiful sheen, and it was super soft. I'll be sure to keep it in mind next time I'm looking for a good support weight. So, after knitting Cosette twice, and of course that peach ruffly hat, I decided to finish my tea leaves cardigan. And since that's been on the needles for a couple of months now, it was really good to get that done. Now, I truly love this cardigan. It worked out really well, and the fit is spot on, which is such a plus. The only thing that did not work out is the button bands. The pattern just calls for you to pick up way too many stitches. So the button band is just too long, and it kind of is wavy and... It just does not look good. And it's my own fault. 
This was another knitting denial situation going on here. I was really trying to finish the sweater before the 2010 Rav Olympics began, so I was just kind of overlooking the obvious button band issues. Plus, it's really hard to tell how it's going to look until you bind the thing off. But now that the button bands are all done, and the buttons are even sewn onto the button bands, I just can't get past it. It is really, really bugging me. I've worn the sweater twice now, and I just keep finding myself pulling at it, trying to straighten my button bands. And I don't want a sweater that I feel uncomfortable with and that I have to keep fiddling with to make it look right. I want a sweater I can just put on and wear and feel confident. So I'm probably going to have to rip it back out and fix it. I can't tell you how much I hate doing things like that. It is such a pain, especially since I weaved in all of those ends really, really well. When I'm done with a project, I just want to be done. I hate having to redo it. Hopefully, when I get back from Stitches West and the Rav Olympics are all over and done with, I will have some time to finally get this button band fixed up and looking great. In case you're wondering what I'm talking about when I mention the Rav Olympics, it's this knitting event put on by Ravelry.com during the Olympic events. As a knitter, you challenge yourself during this time and reach a previously set knitting goal. I realize that by the time this episode airs on the 1st, the Rav Olympics will be technically over but I'm recording my episode a little bit early this time because I'm heading off to a knitting convention this weekend, Stitches West, and I didn't want to scramble to put together an entire episode at the very last minute. I've done it before, and it's not very fun. I'm also hoping to have a really relaxing time while I'm there and not have to worry about this looming huge podcast project. So, yeah, I have a lot going on this week. Between knitting for the Rav Olympics, blogging every day about it, this upcoming Stitches trip, and preparing this episode, my life is pretty insane right now. I'll be glad when it's all over and I can get a little break. As you can see, I still have a lot more knitting project news that I can share. I haven't even touched the Rav Olympics yet. But I think I'll wait until next episode to share those projects with you more in depth and to, of course, share my experiences about Stitches West. So you can look forward to that for next time. I'm really excited about going and seeing everything this year at Stitches, but I'm still a little nervous at the same time because every time I go, I always get overwhelmed and I always end up buying very, very strange things like mountains of laceweight yarn, even though I've rarely, hardly ever used laceweight yarn, I think in only one project. Yet, I go to Stitches and I buy mountains. And not just laceweight, but other yarns in colors that I hate. It's there at Stitches and I buy it. I don't know why. I just get to Stitches and turn into the world's worst shopper. I don't know how this happens, but it does. I have hardly used any of the yarn that I've bought at Stitches over the past two years. 
The only yarn that I really liked that I got there was this really awesome green angora that I ended up making the lush and lacy cardigan with. That was a good stitches find. But besides that, I don't think I've used any of the yarn. And I still have all of that lace weight in my stash too. So hopefully I'm going to do better this year. Also, on a side note, last year I was really worried about buying stuff. And I used to be on this kick about how I needed to use up my stash and I needed to not buy more yarn. I've totally gotten over that. I've grown to accept and embrace my yarn collection. And the strangest thing is, is I no longer feel any guilt about it. I'm not sure when and how it happened exactly, but I feel a lot more free now. I think I just came to grips with the fact that I had so much that I was never going to possibly knit the whole thing. So I just decided to accept it instead. I know that this is shocking and surprising, probably to all of you listening, but I kind of like adding yarn to my stash now. It's kind of like any collection. You just enjoy adding to it. So when I'm at Stitches, and if I see something I like, I'm going to get it, and I'm not going to feel bad. So I'll let you know next episode what I end up with while I'm there. I think that now would be a great time for me to... Bring on the product reviews. This episode, I'll be reviewing Rose Knits bags designed by Annie Saltzman, which are these adorable cloth knitting bags, hand-sewn out of bright, colorful fabrics. Rose Knits offers everything from larger knitting totes that would make a great knitting bag, project bags, and even notions pouches for stitch markers, sewing needles, and the like. She even offers coordinating circular needle hangers for a knitter to store her circular needles in. I definitely need one of those. I love the large size range in her bag line. She pretty much offers every knitting related bag that I can think of. I love the variety in sizes and types. But what especially draws me to these bags are the fun shapes and practical design. For example, Annie offers a variety of different project bags. She makes what is called a cube, which is this adorable cube-shaped zippered container, perfect for a small project, as well as her box tote, which is a larger rectangular version of the cube. I currently own the box tote, and I use it constantly. It's super cute, and it holds quite a bit. I was able to squeeze my tea leaves cardigan in there for quite a long time. It holds several skeins of yarn. It would be perfect for a child's sweater project or something similar in size. But if you like project bags and you're not a cube or rectangle sort of person, she also has a really fun triangular version appropriately referred to as a fortune cookie because of its shape. This one is also quite roomy. Surprisingly so. And I just think that this shape is so fun and unique. I don't think I've ever seen a project bag shaped like this before. The feature that appeals to me the most about all of these project bags is the very handy looped handle attached to each one. Now, plain old zippered project bags are great. 
to keep each knitting project organized in your knitting bag, but with the addition of this handle, they can be a knitting bag all on their own. It's just the perfect little thing to grab when running out the door when all you need is a little project to take with you. You can tell that the bag designer, Annie, is a knitter, can't you? I must also say that Annie is one talented seamstress. Her sewing is impeccable. The zipper and all of the seams are so professional and neatly done. And she also has a great eye for fabric. All of the prints she uses are so fun and I love to see which fabrics she pairs together for the lining and then the outside of the bag. Most all of the fabrics used in Rose Knits bags are name brand designer fabrics made by Amy Butler, Studio E, Anna Maria Horner, and more. They're all really pretty and fun. So the bottom line is that Rosenitz bags are really cute and really well made. I love them. Like I said, I already have a box tote, but I have a cube and matching zippered pouch coming in the mail any day now as well. It's my goal to eventually collect enough project bags to have on hand for all of my works in progress. And how cute would it be to have coordinating knitting bags, project bags, and little notions pouches? I think I might feel an addiction coming on. And wouldn't that just make the most awesome gift as well? Even for a non-knitter, I could see one of Annie's little box totes or cubes doubling as an awesome cosmetic bag. When I find something online that I like so much, I find great joy in sharing it with my friends. I hope that you will check out all of Annie's bags on the Rose Knits Etsy shop. I'm sure that you will like them as much as I do. Please go take a look because there are even more styles than I had time to mention. And besides what's offered in the shop, Annie also provides custom orders that she is happy to put together for customers at no extra charge so that you can get the exact fabric with the exact style you want. If while you're there you see something that you'd like, Annie would love to offer all of the Never Not Knitting listeners free shipping off of any Rose Knits order. All you would need to do to take advantage of this promotion is to type the code NNK in the notes section when you make your purchase. Annie will then refund you your shipping charges. This offer is valid until April 15th. You can find a link to the Rose Knits Etsy shop on the sidebar of my blog or by visiting www.rosenets.etsy.com. Also, all of you listening have a chance to win a Rose Knits knitting bag of your very own. I'll be posting a special drawing giveaway on my blog tomorrow, March 2nd, for you to enter. In order to kick off the new podcast season and to celebrate springtime knitting, which is just around the corner, this will be a larger giveaway than normal. The prize, which is the lovely Rose Knits project bag, will be filled with a variety of lovely springtime yarns for you to sample. And in going along with the springtime theme, the yarn-filled bag will be accompanied by a brand new copy of the book Crocheted Flowers by Nikki Epstein. This is a beautiful book full of lovely patterns for all types of crocheted flowers and leaves, felted and non-felted. 
These are great little springtime accents for purse and hat projects. One of my daughter's hats that I've made for her has a little crocheted flower on one side and it looks super adorable on her. I'm also really happy to be able to give away this book because so often I just talk about knitting. And I know that many of you listening are also into crochet. So here's a little something for you as well. So remember to be sure to check out my blog tomorrow at nevernotknitting.com so that you can enter to win all of these great prizes. You will have until March 15th to enter. And after that, I'll be randomly choosing between the entries and we'll announce the winner on the next podcast episode. This episode's knitting story was contributed by podcast listener Leslie Gordon. Her essay originally appeared in a summer 2009 issue of Interweave Knits, but Leslie was kind enough to record her story to share on the podcast. This is a story about how knitting can help you through the rough times. I'm happy to present Knitting Emmy. When he returned to my hospital room after visiting our day-old daughter in the nursery, my husband's face was pale. They said Emmy had some kind of choking episode, he told me reluctantly. She turned blue. So began our 12-month journey filled with night nurses, visits from paramedics, hospital stays, and a pulse oximeter at home, invasive tests requiring general anesthesia, and, at the worst point, my husband performing CPR on Emmy. It turned out she had an unusual and dangerous response to an otherwise common infant condition, reflux. Her body would produce mucus to soothe her esophagus, but that mucus would itself reflux up, blocking her airway. The episodes, 12 total, were random and most alarmingly silent. Doctors instructed that Emmy had to be watched 24 hours a day, especially when she slept. Meanwhile, we had a 15-month-old little boy who needed us too. I was a terrified hormonal wreck. At least she doesn't have cancer, my husband once offered. But if she dies, I snapped, what difference does it make what she had? We survived the year, thanks to Emmy's interminable toughness, vigilant night nurses, and confident physicians. Most importantly, we relied on loved ones who watched Emmy sleep, sat in the back seat with her while we drove, brought us meals, walked our dog, and sent us supportive email messages. As with many stressful periods, the hardest emotional part for me actually came after Emmy grew healthy. I had almost debilitating guilt about the moment I'd screamed in hysteria instead of listening to the 911 operator's instructions. I mourned the time I'd lost with my son and the memories of Emmy's infancy that I simply didn't have because of stress and, perhaps, repression. It was during this post-traumatic time that I attended a baby shower for a friend who received an unusual number of hand-knit gifts. As each was opened, I would whisper, Was that hard? The giver would insist it wasn't. I was skeptical. I wasn't crafty, nor was I goad with my hands, my illegible handwriting being Exhibit A. But one knitter had said convincingly, Those booties took me two afternoons. It's just two stitches, knit and purl. I signed up for lessons at my LYS. Not surprisingly, I wasn't a natural knitter but I had a patient teacher and I was determined. With each item I knit, at first scarves, hats, and simple bags, 
I would meditate on the intended recipient and how she had helped me during Emmy's first year. Christine had become an expert at monitoring Emmy's pulse oximeter during nap time, and she received my first scarf. Susan had called many mornings announcing she was coming over to help. Jill had offered to fly to San Francisco and care for Emmy to give me special time with my son. Shannon, who had her own child with health challenges, hadn't judged me when I asked, Are you ever tempted to just leave? No, she responded. In my fantasy, I drop my family on a street corner and keep the house to myself. Shannon's scarf was extra sparkly. Now six wears the kindergarten sweater I made for her, and I've become an advanced knitter, having knit two hours nearly every night since I learned four years ago. This ritual began out of fear that I would forget how to knit altogether if I missed just one day. I've mastered intarsia, fair isle, and cables, and I'm nurturing my confidence to try the one technique that still seems alarmingly tricky, steaks. In the knitting world, there's a perennial debate about process versus product. For me, knitting was about processing what had happened to Emmy and our family, how I'd succeeded and failed, and how the people in our life had seen us through. Yet the hand-knitted gifts I made were important too. Thinking back on them, I sometimes cringe. Many had gaping holes because of unfixed drop stitches or accidental yarn overs. Others looked wonky because I hadn't truly understood gauge. Perhaps those first projects wound up in daughters' dress-up bins or at Goodwills across California. But knitting and then sending those gifts to friends also knitted my gratitude into my subconscious, far enough back so that I don't think about it too often, but close enough so that I'll never forget. again, Leslie, for sharing your story with the podcast. I'm glad to hear that Emmy is doing better. I will be sure to link to Leslie's Ravelry page, as well as her blog, in this episode's show notes. So be sure to go give her a visit. If you listening have a knitting-related story that you think would be a really good addition to the podcast, I invite you to please email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. I would love to hear your story. Well, I think that's it for episode 31. Thank you for joining me back for season four. I have a really good collection of episodes coming up with all kinds of different sponsors, drawing giveaways, reviews, and of course, more knitting stories. So I hope you'll join me back in a couple of weeks for episode 32. That will be airing on March 15th and you'll get to hear all about Stitches West this year. As a reminder, the podcast show notes can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as nevernotknitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining me. I'll see you next time. won't even do the dishes. The houseplants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clickin' From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting
she making her husband mad? Her husband mad. Pop ramen again? She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Nobody has clean laundry No pants, no shirts, no underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yard in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry even in the washer and dryer That's why She can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She just won't stop her stitching And the neighbors Say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh is burning up in flames Her husband says Get up, let's go But she can't set down her project She says Just let me finish up this row She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad she just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had